The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. Good evening. You're listening to KUCI at 88.9 FM in Irvine and streaming online at KUCI.org. Welcome to Privacy Piracy. I'm Lloyd. I'm this show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank. Mari's a local attorney and certified information privacy professional. She's the author of several books, including Safeguard Your Identity and From Victim to Victor, a step-by-step guide for ending the nightmare of identity theft. Mari has testified many times in Congress and the California legislature on privacy and identity theft issues. And you may have seen her on Dateline, 48 Hours, CNN, NBC, ABC, O'Reilly, Geraldo Montel and lots of other shows, including her own 90-minute PBS television special called Protecting Yourself in the Information Age. To learn more about Mari's work, visit www.identitytheft.org. And to learn more about this radio show and our great guests, please visit KUCI.org slash Privacy Piracy. Evening, Mari. Good evening. Well, we have a guest coming to us all the way from beautiful Tampa, Florida. And he is going to, actually, he's originally from Boston, which is fun, too. And he's going to talk to us about background checks. You know, in this information age, we really have to get background checks. There are so many lawsuits against companies for negligent hiring. We also find that people are committing identity theft, and we have to find out who they really are. So we're going to find out more, and let me tell you a little bit about Kevin Connell, who's the president and chief executive officer, AccuScreen. The company was founded on his belief that corporations and governmental organizations are in dire need of accurate employment screening and cost containment. Kevin Connell is a nationally known speaker, author, and consultant, and he was, he's was he been on the adjunct faculty of the University of South Florida for the past decade where he teaches the course Effective Employee Screening. He also conducts workshops and keynotes and seminars for companies. So you can learn a lot more about him at AccuScreen.com. And I found some great things on his website. And also he even has a guide to background checks, which you might want to get that. Very interesting and tells you a lot of great information, but we're going to talk with you right now. Kevin, thank you for joining us from the East Coast. My pleasure. Thank you for having me on, Mari. Kevin, you do background checks for companies. So explain to my audience why companies need to do background checks and who they should really investigate. Basically, there's two reasons that companies need to do background checks. The first is for business reasons. You want to make sure that you're hiring the right person for the job to move the company ahead. Secondly, for legal reasons, there's many lawsuits out there. We're in a litigious society. There's negligent hiring suits that go way back. So if a company hires somebody and they cause harm to either a coworker or the general public, they could be sued under negligent hiring lawsuits. Aside from that, um, from the employee's perspective, I mean, you want to make sure that the persons that is working next to you, whether it be in the next, you know, next cubicle or what have you, is is a safe and sane person and doesn't have uh, uh, some safety issues that uh, you need to be aware of. So, and also for the general public, if uh, the company is sending somebody to your home 
there's general contact with the general public. You want to make sure that uh, from the general public's perspective, you want to make sure that uh, the person that's making the delivery coming to repair your home is is a, is a safe uh insane person isn't isn't going to cause you uh, problems you know that's really true and with identity theft which is you know the the kind of crime that you don't face your victim uh we have found that 60 to 70 percent now this is verified by law enforcement and and prosecutors at least in our county 60 percent of identity theft takes place in the workplace by dirty insiders so if, if you're talking about your customers becoming victims of identity theft because of somebody you've hired and you haven't done a background check, you may be liable for that as well. Yeah, great, great point, uh, Mari. I mean, a lot of companies have access to a whole host of financial and sensitive data, including credit card information. Uh, you social security know. numbers. Yeah, yeah, social security numbers. I mean, so with, with that information, Put in the the wrong hands. I mean, obviously, there's many con artists out there, and a lot of them operate uh, anonymously. And they, uh, when they get a hold of that sensitive data, they uh, they can cause headaches for uh, you know for everybody, innocent people. Yeah, yeah, exactly. everybody for the for the the company, and for the customers, and for law enforcement. Everybody, it's it's really a, a rough situation. Um, so when you're doing a background check. What kind of databases do you access? Uh, and it, it depends on the type of uh, service that we're doing. In terms of d- database work, the databases that we utilize are mainly to corroborate and uh, confirm people's identity. Uh, when we're actually doing the actual search, say on a criminal background check, we actually have a network of researchers that are going in and out of courthouses physically, you know, retrieving criminal record information. So on average, 90% should come back as no, no record. Uh, but most, most of the accurate information, and, and I've been doing this since 1994, to this day, the most accurate information on a criminal record is in the local county courthouse. And there, there's a myth of the, having these magical databases out there, including the FBI, um, and, the, and if we had an FBI agent on the call here, he or she would say this. The, he or she would say this that the uh, accuracy of the FBI database is not as accurate as you might think. I mean, a lot of people have the myth that as we're little, little child, from a little child up to your current uh, situation, that their FBI or Big Brother has a a file on all of us, and that, that's just—it's nonsense. It's a myth, and um, you know we we can explore that later. But the in terms of uh, databases, uh, the databases uh, could be uh, credit databases. Yeah, like the, the credit reporting agencies. Yeah, like uh, you know, Equifax, Experian, TransUnion. Right. Um, those are utilized really for credit reporting uh, purposes, but there's also uh, header information that is used when we're trying to verify somebody's social security number, making sure that they're not uh, claiming to be somebody that they're not. Um, and uh, again, it's very, very popular. Two, two of the most uh, misused identifiers on somebody is their social security number and their date, their date of birth. They'll, they'll give a false social or a false date of birth to try to throw off 
the uh, the background check. Right, right. And a lot of people find out that, you know, the victims that come to me find out that somebody's been working in their name maybe 20 years. And, and we live close to the border to Mexico, so we have many people coming over who are not citizens who want to work here and they need a Social Security number, so they use the Social Security number of someone else in order to get that job. So that is extremely dangerous if, if you're not doing a background check. Absolutely. And, and 11 out of the 19 hijackers on 9-11 had actually a Social Security uh, number. There's a lot of, I mean, we, if I just wanted, if we just talked about Social Security numbers, I could talk forever about just the, the fraud there. And exactly. also some of the fraud is from, from the government. I mean, some, some of these cards issued years ago, uh, you, could get a, you could get a new Social Security card 365 days a year. I mean, that, that, that was how absurd some of the uh, policies were for the Social Security number. And the Social Security number is, is a key identifier, but it is not the key identifier when it comes to what we do in terms of the background check. The, the real important one to us is the person's date of birth. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Now, that's not a, you. I mean, that's not really necessarily a unique identifier because I know people who have the same exact birthday as me, same year and everything. So I guess you have to use that in conjunction with the other identifiers to put together the puzzle, right? Absolutely. You hit the nail on the head. We're, we're looking at the person's name, their middle, uh, middle initial or middle name, any former names that they went by, uh, the, and, and on a common name, especially if you have a common name, and, and you do like have a John common Smith, name. you know, yeah, something yeah, like Smith, that. Smith, Gon- Gonzalez, Martinez, right? Brown. I mean, all of those are common names, and you'll see, depending on the jurisdiction, there will be many people with uh, the same name, and that's why having the date of birth, having the social or part of the social security number, so we can we can match because we're not we're not. Uh, 90% of the checks we're doing, they're not fingerprint-based. They're based on the information that's given by the applicant or the employees. The employee might be up for a promotion, and they're doing a background check on them. So they're filling out a release, and they're giving out the information uh, on their name, former names, date of birth, Social Security number, current address, previous addresses, and they're and the release hasn't really changed a whole lot. I mean, there's like eight states right now that you, there's a box on the release that if you want a, a, a complimentary copy of the uh, background report, you can just check off the, the box. And California is one of those states, Massachusetts, Minnesota, Oklahoma, New York, Maine, Washington, and New Jersey. Those states you can actually check off on the release and get, get a copy of your, your report. You know, that's such an important issue. I know I'm so glad that we have that. We worked on that law to have that in California. But from my perspective as one who deals with people who are victims of identity theft, um, it's very important that they get a copy of that background check. And that was one of the questions I was going to ask you is if uh, a potential, if an employer comes to you with a potential employee and asks you to do that, that screening, what, when, if they're not in a state that they can check that box, do they still get a copy if they want one? H- how does that work? I know federally, if you, if someone makes a decision uh, not to hire that person or not to promote that person based on a background check, they 
they have to give them a copy, right? They have to get be able to get a copy. Yeah, there there's two there's two ways to answer your question. Number one is if if somebody is denied uh, employment, uh, they rescind a job offer. The way the Fair Credit Reporting Act is is supposed to work is there's supposed to be a pre adverse action notice. So before you actually rescind the offer or deny employment, you're supposed to give to and by by who I'm talking the employer who's ever making the right. the employment decision. They are supposed to basically give the applicant a chance to refute whatever information was was divulged in the background check uh, report. So, for instance, it could be a criminal record, and they're, they're, they could say our policy is we cannot hire you because you have a felony for trafficking cocaine, and you give an opportunity to the applicant basically saying this is what we find uh and giving them a chance to basically face their accuser, and they could either say, that's not me, I'm a victim of identity theft, or that was me, but that was years ago, and that was, uh, although that particular scenario I gave you would not be uh, an expunged or sealed record. So the, the, the first way to answer it is, if they are denied, just like if you were denied a, a, a credit card, so you were at the local department store, or you're getting trying to get a car loan, a mortgage, if whatever you, if you were denied credit, you've always had the uh, Fair Credit Reporting Act, at least since the early 70s, you could, you could get a copy of your report within 60 days of being denied. And that it, and basically the, um, and you could get it for free. Yeah. And you could get it for free. Yeah. Human resources basically in ninth in the fall of 96, basically said that the Fair Credit Reporting Act uh, deals with employment as well. Doesn't just deal with credit transactions. And just a, a lot of I, I remember this back in '96, '97. A lot of employees were like, "Well, I don't, I'm not pulling credit reports. I don't need, you know, to to follow the Fair Credit Report." And and then eventually they got it because there were different amendments coming out, and it was getting stronger and stronger. Right, because it's considered a consumer report. It's ba- you know it bases on your character and your creditworthiness yeah. and you know your background and you know your reputation. So then it's considered a consumer report. Yeah. So so hypothetically, so that so if somebody is denied employment, they can get a, a copy. And it's all it, it's depending on the sometimes the employer it it is how we set up the the new client the employer could say I'm going to give them a copy of the report I'm going to pre adverse action I'm going to give them a copy of the report and then they're supposed to wait a period of time and that's there's some gray areas how how many days are supposed to go by um, as a as a general guideline I think most companies are doing like five roughly five business days and then they can basically say hey you're denied employment and they can again they can give a a copy of the report or they can direct them to the credit reporting agency which we we are AccuScreen is a a CRA a credit reporting agency so that's the first way to answer the question the second way is okay so let me go back then so so in other words the employer can say you can get it from us or and they could just make a copy or you can go back to accurate uh, to um i'm sorry accuscreen and and get it exactly and it it, it's all of this is set up between us and the employer so we we have a an understanding that the employer will say hey 
Kevin, we want to utilize you folks. We want to just, if we uh, end up denying somebody, we want to direct them to, to us so they can either call our 800 number, they can email us, they can fax us. Basically, uh, the denial of employment uh, letter. Then we have five days, uh, five business days to get them a copy of the report. And I mean, our practice is as soon as we get the request, we immediately get that out to the uh, to the applicant. And then if if they want, if they believe that this information isn't accurate, they can challenge it and ch- challenge us to reinvestigate it, which we would do. Uh, at at no charge, and then if there was any changes, we would provide the applicant a copy and the uh, the employer a copy of of the report if there was any changes similar to if there was something With like your credit, your credit report. report and it didn't belong there, it didn't belong to you. Very same same type of uh, procedure. Let me ask you something. Since I haven't seen one of your reports, does your report show the source of the information as well? So, for example, you might say something like Tampa Courthouse or something like that. Does it does it say so that the if it, let's say it is vict- a victim of identity theft or a victim of criminal identity theft that came up on some court records, would they know which court to go back oh, to? Oh, ab- absolutely. Great, great question. Yeah, we all of our sources are identified. So if it's a criminal record, it would be identified by the specific county courthouse. Uh, if, if it's it the DMV? The, yeah, if it was the DMV, we would let them know that this this was uh, uh, attained through the California Department of Motor Vehicles or the Massachusetts or New York, wh- wh- wherever the information was, was taken from, they, they will absolutely know and in some companies outsource their employment reference checks. So if we call the company and we're getting a reference, we would identify who we spoke to, the person's name, their job title. So everything is clear. So there's a paper trail to everything that we do. So we, so if there is any type of challenge, they, they the applicant knows exactly who to go to. Let me ask you something. What if um, someone was a victim of identity theft previously or or just any consumer who's out there and says, "You know what? I'm in I'm going to be looking for a job. I think I better do my own background check first before I go for a job." Could they go to AccuScreen and say, "I want to do my own background check and I'll pay you to do it to make sure that there is nothing that's coming up that that may hurt me?" Sure, it's not, it's not our core business, but sh- certainly, yeah, we we do have applicants that want to uh, check on their, uh, to see what their background check would uh, report, especially the, the scenario that you gave, that somebody who may have been a victim of identity theft or may have uh, had some uh, criminal record attributed to them because they are on somebody's AKA or alias list. I mean, we've, right. we had, we, we've had situations like that that come up, although rare, um, they still come up, and, and you know applicants need need to know about this. The more educated they are about how that process works. So, so say somebody has never had a criminal record, all of a sudden, because of their name, and, and and somebody could have stolen their their name, knew their name, worked with them, was a friend of them, and basically when or they lived were, down the street street from them and stole their yeah, mail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> I yeah, mean, I hear this all. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And. Uh, 
So the unfortunate thing to somebody who's on some some criminal's alias list, an AKA, right. uh, when those situations occur, our recommendation is to those people is to actually, and I know this is inconvenient, and uh, you know, I my heart goes out to 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 the applicant that has to do this. That, but th- this is the the recommendation. They have to go down to wherever that courthouse was, um, and the the procedure is they they get a fingerprint roll. They would uh, get a, a background check done by that. Uh, Law enforcement the, the sheriff's agency. office, yeah. and then they would give them a certified copy saying this person uh, is not uh, does not have a criminal record. Uh, there's a, there's an issue because this person was a victim of identity theft, was on uh, a, a real criminals, aka alias list, and that certified copy uh, is normally good for at least a couple of years. I mean, it would be great if it was longer than that, but that's that's how the, the procedure works. Right. We've actually established uh, by statute a, a procedure here in California that you can get a certificate of innocence from the judge, and you can also be in a database for the attorney general's office in the state of California if you're a victim of criminal identity theft. It's, it's very interesting because I help write that legislation. Well, uh, that's, that's I, ha- I have had um, victims that I've had to help across the country that we've had to get, you know, they go to their own police department because if you are a victim of identity theft in Tampa and you're imposters in Los Angeles, and you don't have the money to fly to Los Angeles, you're going to have to go to the Tampa police and say, look, at this is, you know, pull up the NCIC or pull up whatever it is and see what's going on over there. And here's my fingerprints, and here's my, you know, my live scan and my picture and my this and that. Help me, you know, because yeah. you may not even be able to fly there if you're in some yeah. other record. And so there are, yeah, I've had to help uh, a guy actually from Florida, Jack's, Jacksonville, Florida, who was a victim in New York, and it took me through uh, to go crazy with the. It was the court records that were wrong, but the he, you know, the uh, the fingerprints didn't match. Sure. You know, so that's the problem. Is is a lot of the databases that are you know um, in the courts and in the court systems are not fingerprint related, just like they are for the NCIC, the FBI database. So they aren't always a match. So it, this is a really challenging problem, <laughs> to be honest with you. So, um, you know, I, I really like the idea of people being able to get a background check on themselves before they go and look for a job. Absolutely. I mean, that, that would be uh, a, a great best practice for anybody who's in the in the job market, especially with with knowing that they've had some sort of identity theft issue in the past. I mean, it's almost a necessity that you'd want to do that uh, prior. You know, it's scary, though, when I think of this, Kevin, because if I type in background checks into the Internet, which I've done a million times, literally thousands and thousands of sites come up. And you really don't know what to trust either because... You know, I'll tell people, well, gee, Mari, I've had this stuff stolen, and I think there was somebody working in my name, and I think all these things have happened. I go, do a background check on yourself. And it's it's frightening to know which ones to go to and which ones are not fraud sites that somebody's just going to collect your information. Oh, yeah. No, you, you, you raise a very important uh, issue. Uh, 
putting in background checks. I mean, you'll get sites, and, and I, I get these questions all the time, is should I do a criminal background check on this, like free background, you know, freebackgroundcheck.com, whatever. Right, I'm right, just right, making right, up right, a, right. A, a domain. And, uh, and when I come across these, and I have uh, clients and employees, just colleagues, send me these sites and say, hey, Kevin, what do you think of this? And uh, I'll, and I have a long list of uh, known criminals, so I enter them into the, the into these databases just to test them out. Obviously, I don't have uh, all of the time in the world to to do this, so I'll have staff check some of these out. And invariably, all of them, the information that you get is either. Uh, trying to loop you in i mean it's not free and then if you want the the rest of the story you're going to have to uh pony up your credit card or the information that it is in there it's stale old information uh just somebody's uh attempt to collect data and it's a very incomplete uh at best um database and uh but unfortunately a lot of people that you use those thinking that that's actually real good uh, data and and uh, in, in my my own yeah, it's opinion, not is, accurate, so, right? Yeah, it's not accurate, and it's like a ticking time bomb. So they'll put in the info, do a criminal background check. Okay, well, this applicant is good, no record, hire them, and all of a sudden that information what is wasn't as accurate as we thought. I've had cases where people have been escorted out of companies by the police uh, for an open warrant for their arrest and. Uh, then they call. Then they call and say, "Yeah, Kevin, you're right. That that wasn't a good practice on trying those sites. We you should use a reputable company." And and one See, way that's that what's you... so scary because there's so many information brokers out there. I yeah. remember your senator Bill Nelson introduced a bill S five hundred that I actually he asked me to come and testify in Congress on, and that bill was really a bill to create over you know, an overview and um, some kind of level of protection for for the people who are doing a good job like you, the, the honest guys, where it w- they would, you know, have much more oversight over the information broker and the background check industry. And that kind of faded away. But I think there is a real need for it. And I would think that Good companies like yours and ChoicePoint and, and some of the big companies that are trying to do a good job now, that they would really back this kind of legislation. Yeah, I mean, we, we work, uh, I was on, you know, the, the first board of directors with the National Association of Professional Background Screeners, and we do uh, talk with both local uh, legislature all the way up to uh you know the federal level into Washington. We take a, a trip at least twice a year. Uh, so yeah, depending on the legislation, sometimes some of the legislation that is introduced, we actually recognize there's some uh, issues and, and try to point those out to uh, to the uh, to the lawmakers because some, sometimes the lawmakers they they will and I could give you a, a couple of of examples of this. Um, you know, the Jessica Lunsford Act in Florida was one where uh, this uh, poor young girl was victimized by somebody in her neighborhood who was a sexual predator, basically a heinous crime, 
you know, raped this little girl, buried her alive, mm. um, and the the victim's family worked with the Florida legislature, and the Jessica Lunsford Act was rushed out to uh, make it a law. But when the law came out, there was a lot of people that were unprepared to do it because basically what that law says is. Uh, part of the law says if somebody is on school property, uh, not just teachers. Teachers have always gone through a, uh, a background a, check. A background check. Yeah. I'm talking vendors or somebody that is Parents. on premises. Uh-huh, it could be uh-huh. the person delivering milk. Could be the AV people coming right. to uh, whoever has business. While students are in session, mm-hmm. they have to have a background check, and it was rushed through, and it was mandatory. It had to happen by the start of the school year, yet the equipment and all of that wasn't wasn't there. And, and the resources to pay for it, probably. Yeah, huh? yeah. So uh, the, in, the intention was good, but sometimes when you rush to do something that your intentions are good, it, in, 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 in the real world it's impractical, right. and if a little more thought was put behind it, uh, much a much more stronger law, and and that's what happened in Florida. They they figured it out and uh, you know made the appropriate modifications and corrections, and then everybody got the the equipment, the resources, the budgeting, and and all of that. So everything turned out turned out well, but uh, sometimes. But it was a scramble, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're speaking with Kevin Connell, who is president and CEO of AccuScreen in Tampa, Florida, and his website is accuscreen.com. You can find out more about what he's doing there and some great educational information and newsletter. Let me ask you, so tell me, if if I were to get my background check from you, what kinds of things would be in there? If I said to you, you know what, I'm thinking of uh, getting a a new job, Of course, I have my own job, but my own business. Sure. But but let's say I, I felt like going to work for somebody, and I want to see what's out there. Because I myself was a victim of identity theft back in 1996. That's how I got into this. And I know when I've seen some of my background checks, since I'm also a sheriff reserve, they did a, an intensive background check. I saw that some of the stuff from my imposter was appearing on one of my background checks. So... If I did my background check with you, tell me what would be on there if I got a comprehensive one. Okay. It, if it was a comprehensive one, because it the it would depend on the employer and what, what they want to do. Some of them will just do a simple criminal background check. In terms of comprehensive, if it was a comprehensive report, the, the employers that do that type of check would be verifying your social security number, doing a uh, trace on your social security number to see where you have uh, resided, not just now, but for basically the past seven years. Mo- most, uh, Some of them go back 10 years, but as a general rule for criminal records, they're going back seven years. And that would include driving records, employment, and and. So, so on and so forth. So, so I would so, give my permission, okay, because in California you have, and you have to yeah. get permission federally, and I'd say, okay, do, do a background check. And what would you do the credit report? You would do the Department of Motor Vehicles. Um, you do a criminal background check, right? Yeah. What yeah. else? Uh, cre- credit report, there's, there's actually less than 10% of our clients actually pull a credit report on somebody. Okay. Um, 
but credit report could could be one of the things uh doing a sexual offender uh you know there's a there is that is one database that uh you can do nationally a sexual offender sexual predator okay. search on somebody um, there's also a uh terrorist watch list to see if you're on a terrorist watch list uh group if you're in healthcare there's certain professional licenses that we would verify not just healthcare but also if you have any complaints issued against you. Uh, like with your professional organizations like the State Bar of California or the Medical Board, is yeah. that what you're thinking? Uh-huh. Yeah. So very, So if you, need a, if you need a license to practice law, if you need a license to practice medicine, medicine uh-huh. if you uh-huh. need a license Nurses to practice, license, yeah, yeah. N- nursing, CPAs, you just, you just think of it. Um, we would be verifying that information, drug testing, uh, we're a third-party administrator of uh, drug testing programs as drug-free workplaces. There's actually two of them. One is at the national level. So if you're a federal contractor, you have to do drug testing. And then there's actually some specific state laws that actually give you a uh, discount on your workers' comp uh, premium if you do drug testing. So th- those are some of the core uh, searches. And then some companies outsource their reference checks, employment checks, educational credentials. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. I just was interviewed by a a journalist this week who said that um, a woman who is a, um, she has a PhD from Stanford, somehow saw on a Facebook site that someone had actually taken her whole profile and, and used her own name, but used this, or, or I guess she had a very close name, okay? Mm-hmm. Let's say it was like Susan Ford, and this would be Suzanne Ford, something like that. And it took her whole profile to get a job, all right? And I've heard this before of someone stealing someone else's, um, you know, background in terms of what schooling they went to. How do you verify what school someone went to, and, and do you go back to those schools? And, and just tell us how you do that. Sure. On, on schooling... Uh, we would call the registrar's office. So if you're talking Stanford University, we're calling the registrar's office there, verifying the information uh, attained from them. Normally, they'll ask for a copy of the person's release so they can actually check the person's signature. Um, So that's a normal way. What's becoming more popular, I mean, I would run into this once in a blue moon, like, two schools in Texas back in the mid-90s, but now a lot of colleges and universities actually take their data and actually give it to a, a company. One of the bigger companies is National Student Clearinghouse, so you have to actually, we, we know the school, so instead of going to the university, we have to go and actually pay, you have to pay to verify the information with through, this clearinghouse, now they they have a big database, right? Uh, yeah, and it, I've got mixed mixed feelings on that. I mean, I, I went to school at Ohio Wesleyan University. Right. In fact, I was just there this past weekend. Paid a lot of money to go to school there. If somebody's trying to verify, and I'm in the job market, I want them, the registrar's office, to provide the information. And the information, uh, Mari, that we're asking for, we're not looking for a transcript on the person. We're basically looking, did the person graduate with the degree that they say they attained? So whether it be a bachelor's degree, master's degree, PhD, whatever it is, and they'll come back and say, yeah, they 
they uh, did receive typically Bachelor of Science in Economics Management, and they'll give us the you know the date of the commencement, uh, although that that really isn't necessary. Sometimes they'll give us the uh, whether the person re- received honors summa cum laude, magna cum laude, or cum laude. Um, so, and and the, the same is true on employment checks. A, a lot of companies are outsourcing that information to uh, another clearinghouse type of company that you have to actually pay. Now, if there is an issue, if there's a discrepancy on that, uh, we always do go back to the school. So if there's some sort of discrepancy, such as a no record on somebody or something isn't uh, connecting, and and that's one of the important things that that we do, accuracy is, is very, very important. I mean, it is vital. So when we're sending information, I need to sleep good at night. Right. And Plus, I you want could to make get sure sued too. I mean, if yeah. you, <laughs> yeah. If, yeah. So, so I want to make sure that if we're reporting a discrepancy on somebody, that it's, it is actually a discrepancy. Sometimes when you call a registrar's office up, one of the key things that we ask, sometimes people will say in the registrar's office, "Oh, there's no record on that person," and then we'll we'll challenge them. We'll say, "Well, you sure this person said they graduated in, and we'll we'll give them a a date." Uh, or a date range, and then we'll ask them, how far do your computer records go back? And also, the other thing is, on sources, we want to make sure, is this a full-time person that works in the registrar's office, or it, it could be a paid student, it could be a student intern, who doesn't know all the ins and outs. Right. And invariably, what could happen is, the information is in archive, and they have to go across campus where they keep that information on uh Microfish. I mean, it. it and they're it, too lazy to go there, so they say no that they don't go. Yeah. They don't go. Yeah. Yeah. And the the, the other problem on and conf- educational- and, cr- and, and sure. errors. You know, I have to tell you a, a brief story. Yeah. My my ex spouse was um, his name was Joel Frank, and we both went to the University of Wisconsin. And when he was applying for when when he graduated, he applied for law school, and he graduated with honors, and um, he couldn't get in, and he kept getting all these rejections we couldn't believe it and what had happened was there was another Joel Frank with a different social security number who was not a good student they sent out the wrong transcript when we found this out I mean here we were young and and just devastated so he ended up going back and getting a medical degree instead (laughs) (laughs) and but when he when he was he went back and got like all of his uh, other you know science classes and his calculus and his inorganic chemistry and all that stuff so we said, okay, that was meant to be. But what was interesting, when he applied then for medical school, we told him, look, this is what happened before. If you do this again, you are going to be sued so bad, you know, because <laughs> sure. we told them what they had done. Finally, NYU was the one who found it and, and, you know, actually accepted him to law school. But by that time, we were both so disgusted and just devastated after spending all that money that we just said, okay. But those kinds of errors happen all the time. Just, you know, the same name but a different social or, one, you know, a few numbers different. They were born the same year, same same state. So, you know, I think you're right. You have to be very, very careful that you double-check that is it accurate. The Fair Credit Reporting Act, um, the Fair Credit Reporting Act demands that whatever information you're giving out, that you are supposed to give out accurate information. So that's, that's a problem. Absolutely. I mean, you, 
accurate information is, I mean, that's, that's in our name. AccuScreen is AccuScreen. Accu. Right. Uh, for accuracy. Uh, the other funny thing on educational, and this this just uh, was released a, f- a few weeks back um, with diploma mills. Diploma mills are, oh, are yes. a huge problem. I mean, pe- people, I mean, you can I, go I, online I, and get this stuff. Yeah. I mean, uh, now, th- there's been operations done by the FBI uh, from DipScam to the, the most recent one. Uh, the most recent one uh, happened in the state of Washington, and it was in the news. They actually published, there is close to 10,000 people, and they're from countries all over the world, right. but out of the 10,000 people, I mean, it's like 9,000-some-odd people, uh, a majority of them are from the United States that, that get these phony degrees. They're not worth a piece of paper that they're printed on. And, uh, and I've actually done done some investigation work in calling the diploma mills because i mean a, a lot of the spam that you get out there one of them one of the more popular one is how to get a diploma and they they, they they're very sly about it they're trying to base it on your life experience but re- what they're really doing is you're you're they're trying to uh negotiate with you to to get whether it be a bachelor's degree, all the way all the way up to a PhD, and what was exposed in Washington State, and this particular company made millions between the uh, late '90s through 2005 is when they were shut down, and they the attorney general in uh, the state of Washington uh, published this. It uh, whatever the the local major paper in the uh, I believe it is Spokane Sp- Spokane Washington. Some of the people on there, many, many firefighters, um, if you can prove that you have a bachelor's degree or a master's degree, you'll get an automatic uh, bump in your pay. So, so the, the diploma mill sellers know this, so they're, they're trying to sell you on getting a degree. Your taxpayer, uh, taxpayer's money are paying for these degrees. There's actually, you mentioned in Wisconsin, there's actually somebody working in a nuclear power plant there with a phony degree, he's actually one of the people that was <sighs> was exposed. So it 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 is unfortunate. It is prevalent out there, and it you know the problem's getting worse and not better. You know, in your guide to background checks, I noticed that you said that the FBI estimates that there's more than five hundred thousand people nationwide that claim degrees, college degrees that they never earned. And, and you said that in your own analysis, you said more than 38% of the applications that you process for client organizations contain at least one falsification by the candidate. No, without, without a doubt. I mean, it just to, amazes me, to, you know, that people... Well, you know, I think it's interesting that nowadays with the information available and, and all of the technology available, you can make things look so real. Right. So, oh, yeah. so, so yeah, you can they're, they're. do that. I mean, it's funny. I laugh about that because on my website for identitytheft.org, I have a picture of when I spoke at the White House. So I have a picture of me and Hilly and Billy together. And I keep thinking people probably think I did that in Photoshop. You know, <laughs> it's really a real picture, but it, it's so easy to do. And it's so easy to make fake, fake driver's licenses and, you know, fake uh college degrees and law degrees and even something that you've been you know 
inducted into the Supreme Court of the state of California or something. It's just amazing what people go through. Although I do know of some people who have come to me who have actually lost their jobs because they have put things on their what on their uh, resume that wasn't 100% correct. So you have to understand that if you do that, you're subjecting yourself to to not, you know, not getting that job or being fired if you get that job. Yeah, you you raise a great point there. I mean, with with people that are intentionally lying and I'm not I'm not talking about somebody who forgets their dates of employment from, you know, 7 or 8 years ago. They're they're off a little bit, but I'm right. talking outright intentional lies. On on education, for instance, I mean, there are many uh, jobs out there that don't require a college degree. And I see people put down that they received a college degree thinking that, you know, in a competitive uh, job environment that, that that's going to separate them from the other applicants competing for the position. But is, if the employer detects a falsification, they will deny the applicant not based on not having the college experience or the degree they're going to they're going to rescind the offer or stop the interview process right there because you falsified the job application and that that is i see that too often that because somebody lied they didn't you know many people are rolling the dice they're not thinking that somebody's going to actually verify this information and although there's a lot of good uh advice, career advice that people give, and including how to, you know, structure a good resume. There's also some resume companies out there that, that encourage you to lie. I'm not... It's I mean, crazy. And, and it's crazy. They're not, not doing anybody any favors, and they're getting paid to, to do that. And it's, it's a sad, sad situation. You know, talking about technology, I have to ask you, because I know this is happening, and I wonder how you use it. Lots of background checkers... Um, and in-house people are starting to look at Facebook and MySpace and other networking sites to to see what the potential applicants are putting on the internet that might you know that might embarrass themselves or the the company in the future. Are you doing that? Are you looking at these other networking sites to? to no, and I'm, I'm I'm glad I'm glad you raised that because I just released in our most recent newsletter a an article discussing this very issue and, and I did a webinar a couple of months back there there are hiring managers that are looking at people's MySpace pages their Facebook pages um, the, the problem with that is and you, you hinted at this uh, earlier problem with these social media sites is somebody can create an identity for instance, Steven, Steven Tyler, lead singer for Aerosmith. Right, he's, he's suing right now. Yeah, <laughs> he's, he's suing because somebody created a, a uh, page that is supposedly Steven Tyler uh, saying all of these things that that's not, that's not him, but somebody stole his identity. So it, it, Yeah, it, in it, fact, Megan Kelly, who's on Fox News, who sure. reported it, showed on a, a, a website that was put up supposedly by her, but it wasn't her. Again, the same kind of thing, putting up a website that isn't really hers. So that, how accurate can that be? Exactly, and that, that, that is the, that's the issue. And then the, there was a case actually in London, a businessman, he had an old pal, I, I guess you would call him an ex-pal, because 
his ex-pal, this was a former school friend, who knew the person's identity inside and out and created a fake Facebook page. I mean, it was, it was on Facebook, but it was, it was not him. And the, the businessman, his name was Matthew Furst. He sued. Uh, Facebook shut the page down, and Stephen, the situation with Steven Tyler, they, as soon as Facebook uh, recognized that that wasn't him, they shut it down. Megan Kelly from Fox they right. got that, that shut down. Matthew first sued, and uh, he won a, a libel suit, uh, right. 22,000 pounds, approximately $44,000. Uh, because of that, so we do and, not. And you know, there's another case here in Orange County that happened where a guy put up a something on one of these networking these date networking sites. He um, he had a girlfriend that shunned his advances, and he was a security expert. So he put up a website, basically inviting men to her house, giving her phone number and her address, and he was prosecuted for cyber identity theft and cyber stalking. So it, it isn't just a lawsuit civilly. You can even be prosecuted if you do something that harasses someone or could hurt someone. Yeah, and, 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 and well, well, they should. because that, that, And, and the, the, the thing that really gets people is somebody is doing this anonymously. I mean, the, the person in London, he connected the dots somehow to, to find out that it was his old uh, school friend that they had a falling out, and this was his way to get back at uh, yes at revenge. Him. We see a lot of this for revenge. We actually had a woman on our show who this happened to as well. So it's hard though because you have to get you have to get the records um, and the IP address to prove who it was to be able to to go after them. Yeah, and there was, there was another situation on on MySpace. Um, they call him the spam king, Sanford Wallace. I mean, he basically infiltrated MySpace. He, and th- this is, we might be getting a little off topic here, but in terms of people that are on social media sites, a lot of people, kind of the ego gets in the way. They want to accept all of the, you know, they want to say, hey, I've Show got off, thousands right. of friends. I've got a million friends. But right. So Sanford Wallace and, and his uh, partner basically uh, did this. Uh, found out people's login IDs, created uh, their own identities, and then all of a sudden started spamming all of these people and directing them to phishing sites, oh. sending them to gambling sites, sending them to all of the the dark side, the bad side of uh, of the internet. And uh, in, it, in fact, there was a, a verdict: uh, you can be if you're spamming somebody. Uh, it's uh, for a commercial spamming it's a hundred dollars an email and right. if you've done this before it can go up to three hundred dollars so this spam king uh could be millions he, well he got hit with close to 250 million dollars in in fines right so that so social media sites but i know that some companies are doing it in fact i had a um, a friend of mine who's in a law firm that that was looking at those social networking sites you know a lot of law firms do that to see who their, uh, you know, who their opponents are. <laughs> or they do it to see who the witnesses are on the other side to discredit them. So it's really unfortunate how this stuff is being used because it may not be accurate. Exactly. And, uh, you know, the, the accuracy, I mean, and there, there's a lot, I mean, we're, we're talking a lot about a neg- the negative side of 
these social media sites. But, I mean, the social media sites do have a lot of positive things. You can get in touch with old friends and colleagues. And, right. Uh, you just, you just there's that, that dark side as well. Yeah, exactly. And uh, so... I wanted my, you to advice, tell us about that, the applicant who claimed to play in the NBA. You had that. Oh, yeah. That, that individual, and this is a perfect case of somebody who put everything down on the application. Uh, he was a legend in his own mind. He basically <laughs> put down that he graduated uh, college, graduated summa cum laude. He said he played for the Houston Rockets. He said he played, he was signed to consecutive 10-day contracts. And there are uh, 10-day contracts in the MBA. Uh, so when we went to verify this information for our client, we called the university. The university did say that he attended, uh, but he attended there for a semester, and he flunked out of school. Now, to, <laughs> oh, to, him, to him, he said he was there for four years, graduated summa cum laude. So he was caught in a, in a lie there. And again, he must have been just rolling the dice. He was very, very creative. And then on the Houston Rockets, when we phoned the, uh, the basketball, basketball operations there, uh, they, they laughed. They said, no, this person had, had never played, let, let alone work in any capacity for the organization. Perhaps he was a, uh, a big fan of the team. Who, who knows? But, uh, uh, just a perfect example of somebody who puts information down there, thinking that it's gonna uh, he's he's gonna he's shine. gonna get away with it, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and again, and, again, and impress uh, everybody, right? <laughs> yeah. And uh, so the, his resume might have got himself in the door, but he got the job was rescinded because everything he put down was was an outright lie. Tell us about the store manager who worked as a safe cracker at night. This this individual. Uh, there, there was a theft at a, a large uh, retail store, and there was missing close to a hundred thousand dollars. And when, when the dots were conne connected, and this is a big problem uh, with uh, retail theft. A lot of people think that shoplifting is a big problem, which, which it is, but insider. most of the problems, yeah, it's, it's dirty an inside insiders. Job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A third of all. Uh, shrinkage in the retail sector is shoplifting, but close to half of it is internal employee theft. And this person who cracked the safe was actually the manager. He was the only one who had the code to the safe. So, I mean, it, it, it didn't take long for the authorities to, to find out who was doing this. And this is very popular when it comes close to uh, holiday shopping season. This is when a lot of uh, retail shops are hiring for the season, and because they're hiring, I mean, there's an old saying, I mean, hire in haste, repent at your leisure. If you're hiring, <laughs> yeah. if you're hiring that quickly, uh, you may not get the data back on the background check, and all of a sudden you've, you've, you've hired a thief, and it doesn't take somebody long to cause big disruptions in a company, I mean, 
give them one day and they and they can do it give them a couple of hours so did he have a did he have a criminal background yes yeah, yeah oh, he did, did. Oh, yeah, a yeah. Long, long 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 record on this uh this safe cracker mm-hmm. right so you know you had given several examples in your uh guide to background checks about companies that were sued for not doing a background check when they hired someone that had a criminal background that you know was a committed violent crime or fraud or whatever. So it's really important, you know, even as a privacy advocate for some, for one who is concerned that you at least get to see your background check, I'm a strong proponent of doing a background check and being transparent about it with the potential employee before and after the background check was done. Yeah. I mean, there, there are so many just horror stories out there. I mean, I, I've got a, a friend of mine, her name is Lucia Bone. Her sister, her name is Sue Weaver. And uh, Sue Weaver, uh, several years ago in Orlando, hired a company to come out and clean out her uh, air conditioning ducts. And uh, she used a well-known department store, and they sent two people to, uh, to clean out her air conditioning ducts. What Sue didn't know was the two people that were sent weren't department store employees. The department store sub the work out to a subcontractor. Oh. The subcontractor did absolutely no background checks. One of the individuals, they were both felons. One of them, his name was Jeffrey Heffling, who was a twice convicted rapist. At one point, oh. he was sentenced to life in prison for his second rape. He was one of the people that was going in, into her home, and he ended up uh, raping her. Oh, my God. Killing her. Oh. Stole uh, her ring and some other uh, merchandise, um, not merchandise, but uh, goods jewelry from her and home. goods from and, her, yeah. and then he then he lit the house on fire. Oh my God! Thinking that he's going to cover up the crime, uh, she owned a uh, uh, an embroidery company in Orlando. Disney was one of her clients. She actually opened up her business the same year that I did in 1994. I, I mean, I just have a deep connection with that. Oh, with uh, FedEx came. Um, saw smoke. She had a package uh, that she was expecting. FedEx came, saw smoke. They came, uh, put put the fire out, and then found her oh, dead body in, in the bedroom. And uh, and that's why I say that background checks affects everybody. everybody. I mean, right. and if I had another message to send out is, hey, make sure if you have somebody coming into your home, whether it be somebody cutting your lawn doing landscaping, coming in to fix your plumbing, or just to do your, just right. your regular maintenance to your home, make sure that you, you know that the company is doing a background check. I right. Mean, and th- this, this Lloyd is telling me that we got to go, gosh. You know what? We're going to send everybody to your website at accuscreen.com. That's A-C-C-U-S-C-R-E-E-N.com. And we'll have to have you on again. Thank oh, you so much for joining us, Kevin. Anytime. Glad to be with you, Mara. Okay. You. Good evening. Good evening. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. I'm Mari Frank, your host. Please join us every Wednesday from 5 to 6 p.m. Visit our website at KUCI.org slash privacy piracy. Good evening. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents.